0: Yet again, someone forwarded me this quote, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Sometimes culture skips breakfast and eats strategy for lunch. This is one of the the most popular quotes that I see going around on LinkedIn and everyone sends it on email nowadays. And there's another favorite one that people forward. Strategy is nothing. Execution is everything. It pains me to hear these statements. Not just because I'm a firm believer in strategy but because it shows a lack of understanding of all three, culture, strategy, and execution. Welcome to Value, a podcast where gurus from Global Gyan Academy help you create competitive advantage in your career. Learn how you can win in the future of work and uniquely design your career from those who have succeeded and failed at doing so. Now, here's your host, Srinivasa Adhapalli from Mumbai, India. I have already stated my inherent bias uh, in favor of strategy. Given my experience uh, in the function of strategy and teaching strategy for so many years, and if I had to debate whether culture eats strategy or is it the other way around, I am obviously biased in favor of strategy. So to bring a different perspective to this conversation, I wanted to have someone else to speak about this debate between culture and strategy. And I'm very happy to introduce to you on this uh, episode and the show here, uh, Gagandeep Singh. Gagan, a uh, dear friend and, uh, and colleague with whom I've been working for uh, several years in doing uh, leadership and strategy programs Almost like a bit of a jugalbandi between strategy and leadership, as it were. And Gagan is an expert in this space. He's uh, been working for more than 25 years in building leaders and designing organizations and transforming them about culture. Uh, so he does a lot of things and he writes extensively on this topics. It's like each article of his is like a thesis. So I would invite you to go and check out some of his Uh, articles on LinkedIn. But today we're going to uh, speak on this issue of culture, strategy and execution. So Gagan, thank you very much for uh, being on this on the show. I'm really happy that uh, you've uh, you've joined us today.
1: Thank you, Srini. It's a privilege to be here. And I hope the listeners are excited with what we have to offer, whether it's a Jugalbandi or it's a boxing fight. But let's go ahead with this.
0: Now, let me begin with this direct question. Do you agree with, or more importantly, have you ever used in your own teaching or conversations this statement, culture eats strategy for breakfast?
1: I'll give you a safe answer. I would say it depends. You know, when we, when we teach at business schools, the uh, statement culture eats strategy for breakfast is so simplistic. Uh, it is almost as if you tell the student that some people concoct a strategy, and whether this strategy gets deployed, whether it's effectively leads to a goal, is dependent on the culture. So it's almost as if strategy and culture are two different entities per se, and one guides the other. And that's a very simplistic understanding that strategy eats culture or culture eats strategy for breakfast because I think what one is oversimplifying is that culture comes second, strategy comes first. My invitation to the listeners here would be to look at the interactivity between strategy and culture. And so therefore, if one wants to look at interactivity, then the hypothesis is that do strategists, the way they define strategy, are they influenced by culture? And people who work with culture, are they impacted by how strategy is formulated? so that gets me back to the answer that i gave it depends on whether culture actually eats strategy for breakfast etc but i'm a firm believer that the two are uh, interfacing you know in many ways impacting each other and it's a fairly complex process and how's that for a uh, opening uh, gambit as we say <laughs> in chess
0: these days i think i would agree with that and uh, irrespective of uh which one we lead with, depending on uh, what topic we may be teaching or what topic we may be working on. I think the, the fact that there is a strong interplay between the two uh, cannot be uh, missed. Now, let me give you my favorite example of how I see these two sometimes playing out. And uh, when I talk about this example, I'll be careful not to take uh, names here because of the sensitivities involved. But uh, around the same time period in, uh, in the last 10 years, an Indian company launched two different products. They were targeted at different segments and both were seen as examples of blue ocean strategies. A lot of stuff was written about uh, these these two products and how they were so innovative in their approach. One had immense success, huge sales, redefined the market, and even now continues to be a leading product in in that industry the other which had immense potential but it failed not once it was relaunched yet again and probably yet again and eventually it had to be withdrawn from the market a few years later it was the same organization same leaders therefore the same culture but clearly different strategies for the different products one worked and the other did not so now, when we think about leadership or culture, clearly it couldn't guarantee the success of one product, even though it led to the success of the other. So, how do we kind of think about the role of leadership or culture in ensuring success of a business? That's a that's an
1: interesting way to you know formulate a problem. So, let me make some assumptions. I won't even try guessing which Indian company is. But let me start with the premise that many people believe that culture of an organization is insulated from its context. And culture is culture, it, it can be complex, it can be monochromatic. Now, if I was to take this example that you stated, you know, very clearly in many ways, and almost uh, questioning the essence of culture, I would begin by saying is that there are times when you're launching two different products, you're in two different ecologies or segments of the market, And therefore the question is is the inherent culture within the firm willing to appreciate and identify with the customer in the market for both the products and i think that's where many times large houses or large conglomerates uh, almost fail because their culture is tuned to only one segment let me give a very simple example if you if you've heard of the company samsung they have a product for every segment in the market today, from the cheapest phones to the most expensive phones. For them to really succeed, they need to have a culture where all the customers and markets of the segments that they sell and push their products in uh, has to be empathized with. And so therefore, I would, taking names here, I would say that maybe Samsung as a culture has to be complex to look at multiple different subcultures of its segments. But if Samsung was to behave like Apple, which is you know your and my favorite company, uh, and believe in a specific elite culture, I'm not sure they would do well with the low priced phones. So the two premises are one, culture doesn't stop at the boundary of the organization. Culture has to be aligned with distributors, with vendors, with customers. And, and so therefore, I think the more interesting question is, Uh, whatever products in my strategy that I'm entering the market with, is there a culture within my organization that gets my people to listen to the market, empathize with the customer, and deliver the product offering to the customer? So that's a fairly longish response to your question, Srini. But that's where I am. So organizations need to invest into a complex culture, Uh, need to understand the various strands that also empathize and mirror uh, the culture
0: outside the boundaries of the organization, but within the ecology. As you were speaking and some of the points that you're talking about, about thinking about the, the segment of the market, the, the product, the evolution, I, I, for a moment, I felt that you were talking about developing strategy. and. Clearly, you were talking about developing culture. So the language that we that you were using and the language that I would use when talking about strategy seem to be the same. And which is where the question that then comes up is, is there a linkage between the two? Are they in some ways the same? Are they kind of mirroring each other? And can we look at it in a slightly different way of engaging with each other rather than playing this game of one-upmanship as if one were better than the other or one were more important than the other, can we think about it in a different way and establish the linkages? And you talked about the, the strands of culture and, and that alignment to, to market. Maybe if she could expand a bit on that.
1: Yeah, Thank you, Shini, for offering me the segue into this because strategy often becomes a very tangible aspect of an organizational's approach to business. Strategy has numbers behind it. Strategy has assumptions behind it. Strategy is more explicit in most firms. And culture is the same reality, but which is far more, how should I put it, intangible, very difficult to define. And so maybe we're talking about the same phenomena here, except the strategy seems far more finite, crystallized, and easier to understand perhaps. So one of the things at least that I try and do is to deconstruct culture and make it much easier to define, to identify with, to appreciate, and more importantly, to redesign or recalibrate. And so therefore the strands of culture are, and I think there's so much research today and I'm influenced by so many thinkers, which talk about how culture today is an interesting intertwining of four or five key strands. Uh, One strand clearly is a strand of uh, what is called the clan culture or the familial culture in which very many Indian firms identify with. We, where the leader becomes a father figure, the employee becomes a willing son or a dutiful son. Loyalty is the currency. And um, there's very clearly the culture is do what the boss asks you to do. And so that's one strand that we have inherited as a legacy of doing business And then comes a strand which I think the Anglo-Saxon companies really worked with. They call it adhocracy. Ashok Malhotra, a colleague of mine, calls it uh, arena. But a culture where survival is of essence. And so the very same leader who was earlier a father figure has to now become a warrior. And you've got to stick to his guns and die with him or her (laughs) or win the battle. And so the second strand, which looks at agility, for example, these are words being used, agility, resilience, courage, passion, uh, execution, do it first kind of stuff. It comes from a strand of an organizational DNA, which has to learn to survive, to have a strategy, you know, having a strategy is a luxury if you're in an ecology where survival is very key. The third part, of of course, and both of us being coming from IIM, I think we are taught about how to look at an organization as a machine or a clockwork. So have clear throughputs, processes, procedures, templates, roles, structures, boundaries, efficiencies, yields, et cetera. And the COVID pandemic has in many ways disputed this myth because this myth was becoming overwhelming that when you design strategy, you focus on the machine. But it is still an important strand to work with. And of course, the last strand being talked about everywhere, including platform models, is the network model, where organizations are seen as uh, coalescing networks that evolve, uh, disintegrate, evolve again, uh, where you break the silos of the machine mindset and focus on what you have to offer. So innovation, creativity, these are things being talked about in the network uh, strand of culture. So if you look at it, every organization has a mix and interplay of these four, sometimes five and six strands. But culture has to be deconstructed on this. So when do we need a clannish culture? Perhaps the pandemic was very interesting when we need safety and belonging. When we need uh, a certain quality of saying, I belong here. And when do we need a machine culture? When things are going all right and nobody has a clue. And it's very useful for execution where nobody has a clue of what to do. And when do we need a network structure where we dismantle the machine, but actually look at knowledge and meritocracy. So I think the question for most strategists today is that as we get into the execution game, do we have a clue of which of these strands or levers do we wish to emphasize on to give a clear message to people and therefore allow us to achieve our strategy. So that's a very longish response to your question, Srini, but that's how I would like to look at it. Deconstruct the intangibles and reconstruct them in a way that makes it amenable to people in understanding what the strategic perspectives and, you know, uh, challenges are.
0: Thanks for breaking ambiguous words around culture that most of us carry into, into something more tangible, which we... You we all like frameworks and we like it to be simplified for us. So thinking about it in the context of a clan or an arena or, uh, or a machine, I think helps us make sense of it. But what I also took away is that there is no such thing as a permanent culture for an organization. As the organization evolves, uh, as the maturity of its leadership team evolves, and more importantly, as the context in which the leadership team has to compete and operate, Changes, the culture may have to kind of modify itself. And so, in that sense, I think what you're looking at, just like we expect strategy to be extremely dynamic and almost changing, responding, leading what's happening around us, you need culture to be as agile in its way of thinking. So, in a way, it's double the pressure now on leaders. You know, it's not just that you need to think about strategy as a very continuing thing, but also culture.
1: No, I I agree. And I think I have, uh, for example, some, um, you know, trouble in aligning with Ashok, who's written this uh, framework called Hume, which I have referred to, because I firmly believe as leaders, we need to design and co-create culture, change it, transform it, and make it aligned to the context that we are in.
0: Yeah. Now let's turn to execution. And uh, now this is even more tenuous comparison or, or fight between strategy and execution, in your view, which is more important?
1: Well, uh, Shri, I was at ISB and the dean of ISB began by saying that execution is what determines success today and everything else is bullshit. And that was a fairly provocative statement. But I think what he was referring to, to, give, to be very kind to him, what he was referring to was that earlier senior management would be a little more hierarchical and, and you know more clockwork and would do the designing of the strategy and leave everything else in the hands of their able colleagues down the pyramid to execute. But I think what people are realizing today that makes strategy so very, uh, you know, it's like almost like a good with a very bad uh, life cycle. So I think it's important for leaders to have one foot in the execution realm and one foot in the strategizing realm and keep discussing amongst themselves, where is the cleavage? And, and so, whether you call it VUCA, or whether you call it uncertainty and volatility, I think everybody is now aware that strategizing, strategic planning, goes hand in hand with execution. So, you go ahead into the dark side, you do some things and you come back and revisit it and go back again. So it's a very, it's something that all of us have to do. So it's not the mandate of a top management. I think execution and strategizing belongs to everybody today. And that's what makes organizations so interesting to work with today. When I began my career, I'm sure so, so had you, strategizing was very elitist.
0: Yeah, and, and that's true, uh, no, strategy was something that the corporate office or the very senior people developed and then you let the kind of the foot soldiers execute for a few years and then you did your strategy reviews. No, oh, yeah, it was more like the five-year planning type of process. right? Today, strategy is dynamic, it coexists with execution, but still, when you think about not just middle managers, but even many top leaders see these as two different things and there is there is a sense of elitism about about strategy and and uh, almost a trivializing execution or the other way around right? the the one who is executing kind of says I don't care about all this strategy bullshit let me go and do what I'm supposed to do in the market why do you think there is still this this fight between the two well I, I have some
1: provocative statements but I think it's the split between thinking and doing. And the hierarchical uh, structuring of our minds plus the way, you know, uh, our caste system, our class system believes in it. And so it's very easy for us to unconsciously push strategizing as the thinkers field and uh, execution to doers. And that split is so harmful. You know, it's almost like you create a difference between the brain and the body or uh, to be provocative between the Brahmin and the other castes. You know, but it's an interesting split or a fissure that needs to be healed steadily in our minds. And because getting into action means taking courage, uh, you know, rubber hitting the road. But all these metaphors actually mean going out in the marketplace and doing your thing. Uh, and not skulking behind air-conditioned corporate headquarters. That's one way of looking at it. And, and that's what people are saying. If you want to execute, come into the marketplace. But that doesn't mean one takes away the gravitas and the essence of strategizing, which is a space to think, to introspect. And so my fear is that today leaders are so much into execution that rarely do they actually invest time and energy into reflecting, thinking, strategizing, etc. So, so, you know, Srini, I think the pendulum has gone the other side. And I, I doubt whether execution alone would help. I think it is imperative for each of us to take a break from our execution world and give ourselves a collective time to introspect, to dialogue and reflect on what the hell are we up to. And so this is one luxury that I haven't seen leaders doing. If you look at the last eight to 10 months, most conversations have been so transactional on execution that the strategic perspectives have almost kind of gotten lost. They have been denied completely. And, and, and I think that's the balance that leaders need to actually invest into, get their energies into execution, but know the right time to withdraw from execution and collectively dialogue, reflect, and strategize again.
0: Yeah, and, and I think what you pointed out, this kind of separation between the thinking and the doing, the brain and the body, versus in a way if we go back to even indian philosophy and spirituality about the about the whole that that everyone needs to think about both just separating these as if somebody can do something and someone else can do something it may work in very traditional very slow moving times but in our current environment both need to be emphasized and i think that uh, that we can see that there are these thinkers who don't do and there are the doers who don't think and and you have Too many of both types but not but too few of those who can do both and i think that's a that's an issue and we know from many examples that that if you think about strategy and if you want to build uniqueness it doesn't come through ideation you can sit think of ideas but uh, but ultimately ideas are not unique what makes it unique is is designing the entire go-to-market, designing the processes, the business models, the activities, and then making sure they're done. Every yeah. day, every moment you stick to the plan is a very important part of building that uniqueness. So it's this almost coexistence of both happening simultaneously. Strategy is getting created as execution is happening. And every moment of execution is a chance to build strategy. And if you can live with the duality of this, uh, the Ardha arishwara in a sense, there is, these aren't two different things. There is, it, is, it is part of the same thing. They're happening simultaneously. Is a notion I don't think is taught well enough also when the ideas of strategy are taught and books are all about trying to polarize between strategy and execution rather than bring, bringing them together.
1: I completely agree. And I think execution without a strategic purpose is only firefighting. And you know, days may pass and months may pass. People would be carrying fatigue with execution. But if you don't have a purpose and a strategic purpose behind the execution, you're just creating tiredness and fatigue in the system, almost deadening all energies in the system. And people would start leaving sooner or later. So I completely agree with the simultaneity and the duality of the two coexisting. Absolutely.
0: Great. I wish we could keep talking. We will love to, and uh, we will find more occasions to keep talking like this. But uh, there you are, folks. Uh, don't caught up in these uh, silly quotes that look good on Instagram. But if you really want to build a successful business, you must know that you have to work on all, th- all three. Culture, strategy, and execution. Each of them on their own can give you an illusion of success. But that's mostly temporary. If you want to achieve sustainable, long-term success, a perfect alignment of all three, culture, strategy, and execution, not just alignment, continuously changing and making sure they remain aligned is a must. Thank you, Gagan, uh, for Thank being on so the show. Thank you so much, Thank you. Before I close, uh, here's a plug from, in uh, fact, Gagan and I and many of the other wonderful faculty partners at Global Gyan. We have some great learning programs that are underway in the areas of strategy and leadership that you can join. We have opened up many of our programs for people to to just sign up on our website and join in. The links of some of these programs are available in the show notes or follow Global Gyan on LinkedIn and other social media to hear about all the The great programs that people like Gagan, Dr. Ashok Kurwar, whom you've heard on the show before, and and others are bringing to you. Till next time, keep learning. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Value. Make sure to visit our website, globalgyan.in, where you can subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. You can also download the Global Gyan app to access additional content, learning and mentoring by the gurus at Global Gyan. Do tune in to our next episode.